Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Saturday Friends Club. It's Halloween theme now. Where the hell was that during the last three other episodes? Uh, the file got to me late. Oh. It's actually on the uh, it's actually on the edited version. Oh. So all of them heard it, but not us. That's really cute. I like it. I'm, I'm glad you like it. It's adorable. It's but my favorite. I mean, I go away for a few months and then everything <laughs> changes. <laughs> Hi, this is the Saturday Friends Club. I'm Josh. Sabrina's here. Hello. Martin's back. Hello. Uh, we are your talk of nostalgia things and the stuff you like. And it's Halloween time. It's October. Woo! So. October. Even uh, though it's like 70-something degrees outside. It's It's a little toasty right now. Yeah. I'm actually wearing shorts and sandals, and I never wear shorts and sandals. Maybe this was the dark pact that we did this year. Like, we never got expressly warm this year, but it's just going to be one of the things that, like, summer is going to linger until mid-November. This is the new normal. Yeah. uh, Yes, it is the new normal. As long as we don't have last year where it was 107 degrees that one day, and we all just baked in our apartments. Yeah. I would hope that that doesn't happen again, but... Part of me knows that that's going to happen yeah, again. I think yes. that, again, it's going to be just another part of living in the bay. <laughs> we all just have to go sit out there in, in the in the frigid waters just to just to survive. Yes. Anyway, weather talk. Everyone loves that. Uh, hi, as said, Saturday Friends Club. Um, we're back after uh, we had last week off because we had uh, we were just getting over a marriage. Sabrina and I got married. Yeah. Woo! I missed it because I'm a terrible friend. That is you know, true. You're not a terrible friend. You're just, you're just bad at planning. Yeah, this is true. I blame school. You know, it can just get in the way. What it does. You know, you can miss a class. I know. And it seems like if there was any class that you could miss, and any class that you could go to your teacher and be like, "Hey, I'm going to have to miss this one because of a wedding," like that's 100 percent an excuse that you did not use. This is very true. <laughs> However, and I know what you're doing. You're guilt tripping me right now. Absolutely. But I have to point out that this is a Saturday class in which there are only three sessions. Is so you miss one session. Is it a Saturday Friends class? It's a Saturday Friends class. Okay. Is what it is. But my poor planning aside, we're here to talk about some music. Are we? Oh, yes. Some very erotic music. I, I don't know if we're going to talk about eroticism. <laughs> I mean, if if we're if we're finally going to move into the what is erotic category, we can. I mean, I think I've just found the answer. That's all. All right. So uh, the next three episodes, we, you know, over here we ha- like to do themes, and of course, over the last um, the last few weeks, it's been the theme of spooky stuff and Halloween stuff and things Woo. that are. Uh, you know, have the spooks to it. But we found when uh, we had made the selections for these next three episodes, we decided to do something even on top of that, a theme on top of a theme. We're going to go with the spooky music theme rock opera genre. Yes. So we've got Rocky Horror Picture Show. We've got uh, Repo, the genetic opera, uh, Repo, the genetic opera. Mm-hmm. And we've got Phantom of the Paradise. That's right. So we're going to be doing those three coming up. Uh, also, Eric will be joining us a little bit later. Uh, scheduling is a fun thing, so he'll be running into the studio probably halfway through Rebo. Um, and then uh, we will be handling that. Rebo Yes, that's exactly how that entire thing. It totally wasn't a whole bunch of people just talking like this during the entire movie. Not to mention a copious amount of knives! Knives! <laughs> knives! <laughs> All right. Knives! <laughs> So, um, but no, that's not the one that we're talking about. Martin, you are the elector, the elector for today's choice. I am. Tell us a little bit about this movie that involves transvestites, Transylvania. Um, what, what, what is this movie to you? So this movie to me. Rocky Horror Picture Show, we should say. Uh, yes, of course. Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of came to me later in life, not earlier in life. I was not blessed with uh, parents that would have ever <laughs> sanctioned this kind of a uh, film for me to watch. Hey, but... ki- kiddo, get here. I got to show you some shit. <laughs> got to show you some transvestites. Um, it came to me through a roommate that I had in my various misadventures in, um, in, in uh, roommate situations in the Bay Area who happened to be one of those people who was cult, uh, cult-like in his obsession of Rocky Horror Picture Show. 
this is the kind of person that goes to the movies, goes to the theaters, has seen it enough times to be able to re- verbatim repeat every word of dialogue from the show. Wow. And that person had implored to me the importance of Rocky Horror Picture Show as something that I need to see and also be a fan of. So after watching it and realizing what theme we had, I was like, you know what? This makes perfect damn sense. I can't imagine any other any other film that would be perfect for our indulgence into the rock opera adventure that is Spooktober. But that pretty much is my background for it and something where I would have loved to I would have loved to have been exposed to it earlier, but doing now and being at the place where I can really appreciate not only the music, but also just the kind of atmosphere of um uh of the mansion and of some of the zany zany characters uh it's just it's it's a movie that i that is now truly near and dear to my heart so sabrina what about you uh you've you've seen this before we've seen this before but what was your first encounter i'm pretty sure the first time i saw it was i was watching it on tv with my dad wow yeah oh and he was just like watch this shit I don't know. I don't remember the context. I just remember seeing it when I was still fairly young, hmm. and it was on TV. Hmm. I uh, similar to uh, to Martin. It was one of those things that was a like, "Hey, I'm coming back to this later thing." Um, I really can't recall what the situation was. It very well could have been like something that got put on the TV back during my like. I want to try and be a goth kid phase, but I'm really not hard enough to be a goth kid. Hmm. Um, yes, I did have that phase. I went with the red hair, not the black hair. Though I did dye my hair black several times, but my hair's brown. It really doesn't matter. Anyway, um, (laughs) she's so sad that I had black hair. (laughs) I had black hair. I had a moment. It was just a moment. Whatever. You still looked like a dork no matter what color. Absolutely. I was wearing like, I I would specifically wear like those hot topic t-shirts that oh, were just man. like the bowling shirts but they would have skulls on them and like tribal stuff. Yeah, you could see that, couldn't you? Like yeah. I never had enough money for like the big baggy Jinko jeans with all the stuff, but I didn't like the Jinko jeans. I didn't really either. What about a trench coat? Oh, I don't I I think I could enjoy a trench coat now, but that's mainly just because I live in the bay and during winter that could be very useful. Can definitely agree with there. I had a had a friend of mine that was true to life goth. Definitely sported the uh, trench coat, uh, trench coat hat and all. Guy was just yeah, and they would even like wear it during the summer. When it was yep, wear hot. it during the summer. Yeah. Black with his black combat boots. Yeah, the yep. Kevin Smiths of the world. Mm-hmm. I've had those friends too. <laughs> <laughs> So yes. Um, by the way, also something that we're going to do uh, since these song these movies are very musically themed, I've actually loaded in the entire soundtracks for all of these movies this week. So if Martin or any of us so wishes, I can give us a pleasant little background uh, track for any of these, since you know it's uh, it, it's part of the experience. Well, how about we actually get into it? Shall we let's, get into it? Let's do it. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about uh, nights in the woods and a creepy castle. Let's talk about dances that cause you to travel through time. Let's talk about just making yourself a man. Golden underwear. Let's talk about, you know, feeling sexy. Let's talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Yeah. 
Come on, you can do it. No. <laughs> Where were the androids, by the way? Hmm. Did they see any androids? Yes, that very much was our longest intro ever. But it's so worth it. It's a very good intro. All right. So for those of you who may have lived under a rock, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is a 1975 music, science fiction, horror, comedy film by 20th Century Fox produced by Lou Adler and Michael White and directed by Jim Sharman. The screenplay was written by Sharman and actor Richard O'Brien, who was also a member of the cast. The film is based on the 1973 music stage production, The Rocky Horror Show, with music, book, and lyrics by O'Brien. The production is a parody tribute to the science fiction and horror B-movies of the 1930s through to the early 1960s. Along with O'Brien, the film stars Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, and Barry Sarandon. It's Sarandon. Sarandon. Yes, I'm not the one this week! <laughs> God, first week I'm back... <laughs> I get listen. I get it constantly. It's nice that I don't get it all the time. Okay, fair enough. And Barry Boswick, and is narrated by Charles Gray, with cast members from the original Royal Court Theater, Roxy Theater, and uh, Belasco Theater Productions. So there we go. All right, that's the movie. That's the movie. It's a good movie. All right, done. All right, cool. High fives. Let's send it. <laughs> yeah, Mar- Martin is actually really happy that he has a choice this week that everyone loves. Yeah, I mean, because usually I always come in with just real top tier picks, and this time I decided that I wanted to come in. You wanted to softball this one. I wanted yeah. to softball and bring us a nice, a nice, a, a nice wholesome beginner appetizer, as it were. You wanted to have a nice, like, easy-to-digest movie that, you know, doesn't challenge us at all. No. You know. Um, well, do you want to go ahead and roll through the plot? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. So, the uh, movie begins at a wedding. Hey, yes, Brad? I've got something to say. Oh, man. <laughs> we, You know, we can't just stop really for you. all of this. I know. We can't. We can't. Still we have to keep talking. So... So basically, what ends up happening here? What ends up happening here? It's, um, God, what's his name? Uh, Brad and Brad, Janet. Brad and Janet. Thank you. So Brad and Janet are party at a wedding, and um, we go to the uh, groom and the bride get in. They are uh, ooh, kissy, kissy. Let's go. And so at the end of it, Janet catches the um, uh, catches the. Uh, bouquet. bouquet what, what, what is that? Is it a bouquet? What's it called? The yeah, thing? it's called a bouquet. Okay, bouquet, sweet. Yeah. Catches bouquet. So at this moment, Janet turns to Brad, and we break off into our very first musical scene. Essentially, the profession of mutual love. And here we go. Which you know is kind of interesting because that did, you know they didn't really have much of background. It just kind of like vaulted right into them being in love. You know, I. There, there was the part where their friends like left, and the and uh, the, the car had just like the the Sabrina went like, oh wow, which was just like she got hers, now he'll get his. Yeah, yeah. It was which really, is a little really crude. I, I was a little uh, surprised about that, but all right. I mean, granted, what happens later in the movie, it totally is in course for it. But if you look at that, like it's a little bit more than just some playful ribbing. It is just like uh, they're gonna fuck everyone. Exactly. They're going to consummate their marriage. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, that's they're, so crazy. They're going to do so much marriage stuff. Like, Let's forget the fact they probably were boning before they got married. Nobody did that in the 70s. Bullshit. Oh, no, 70s? No, no way. Nobody. Sabrina. Are you kidding me? That's like the middle of the disco no, era. Man. Nobody had premarital yeah. sex until us heathens started right. as millennials. All right. Goddamn millennials responsible <sighs> for Every wrong in America. You know, I've decided that I'm going to destroy the diamond business, too. So it's just something I've got to do. Yeah. And to be completely fair, I also want to destroy the age-old restaurant business, too. Oh, man. Fuck Applebee's. Fuck Applebee's. (laughs) 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 
Oh, goodness gracious. It's been a while. It uh, has definitely been a while. But that's our first piece. So we're introduced to our two main protagonists. And then we're rolling right along into the <clears throat> into one of their nights out in a drive out that is going to be the most fateful night of their lives. Now, for for those um <clears throat> for for that initial stage of the of the film, you do also have the uh, cutaways with the with the narrator. Um, I think um, the is that um Brad Majors, right? No, no, no. I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm not entirely sure. Let me see. Uh, looking at IMDb, uh, he was let's see the hero and the scientist creation an expert. Yes. Okay. The an expert, the criminologist, was Charles Gray. Charles Gray, which I actually quite enjoyed. That it gave like a little nice Twilight esque feeling to the film, and just like a little pan through that would be you know good for good good as like a, a nice solid transit uh, transition tool. Now, yeah. one of the things that was also kind of interesting about it, especially later in the film, is as. Uh, uh, they were kind of going through. You would see him get like more and more engaged into, <laughs> into like the dancing and the music, mm-hmm. which was which was really fun. But especially with the next big song that comes up. Oh my goodness gracious! With that next song. So just to get back a little bit to the plot, um, essentially the both of them are going out in the uh, are driving out in the night, and it's a really rainy night, and. As they're uh, wa- as they're driving down this long and lengthy road, they uh, uh, they pass by a motorcycle or motorcyclists pass by them. Yeah, and they know. And uh, Janet is just like, "That's the third one that's passed us in this terrible rainstorm." Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a there's a great point that uh, that um, the note showed me, which is the fact that on the radio is Nixon's resignation. Yes, that was excellent. <laughs> but which- the funny thing is, is that that they specifically say that this was like November 3rd when this was all happening. Mm-hmm. And Nixon's resignation was in like in August of the year before. So they had to come up with like a plot reason later that was just like, Brad is the type of person to sit there and have a re- recording of that on <laughs> just constantly. Which is, is kind of perfect for his character, at least in the initial part. It's just like listening to it. It's like such a profound moment in American history. <laughs> Richard Nixon resigning. I've got to play this for my gal. It happened a year and two months ago. I mean, technically, by the what you find out at the end, his profession is. It's like okay, that could be something that this nerd actually has. Which is yeah, which is perfect. I think it's just like a little character development piece, and also something that just sets it to because Nixon was so infamous. Uh, against his uh, with his war against uh, against the counterculture, mm. so it's kind of fun to to have that thrown in uh, initially to really kind of see uh, at least um, uh, Brad's transformation uh, from somebody who would have been you know part of the uh, uh, part of the uh, of the elite, the homogenous yeah. controlling elite, into a deviant. Nixon really had just like wars with everyone, just tiny little wars with as many groups as he possibly could. You know, there's nobody who has followed that example. None. All None. right. So anyway, they get the tire blowout. They're just like, hey, there's a house like maybe three, uh, three miles down the road. Yep. Uh, you know, they we get to the castle. Um, I don't have the the there's the light song, but there is a basically a song that is more or less meaningless. That is just like, hey, we found this weird creepy house. Check out the creepy house. This yep. is the creepy house we're at now. Awesome. Neat. Let's go check out this creepy house. To which they go inside and they meet two strange figures. Oh, God. <laughs> These guys. So they end up meeting um, Riff Raff, was it? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. Riff Raff. And, and Magenta. Magenta. These two are a really fun pair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By yeah. Richard O'Brien and Patricia Quinn. Yep, yep. Now, I actually really do like Richard O'Brien's character, uh, and it's just the way that he kind of plays it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just that kind of like disconcerting set of, like a disconcerting kind of creepy that you're not quite sure you can trust, but for some reason you just fall under their spell and yeah. follow them anyway. You're oddly drawn to him, just like he seems friendly enough, but. He also is very creepy. Yeah, mm-hmm. super, super creepy. But like the kind of creepy that you just like, I'm, I can't trust you. 
but I'm going to follow you anyway. It's like, it feels like to me, like one step down from a Jack Sparrow. Like there's just enough of just like something weird is going on here, but there's just enough charisma and he smiles in just the right way that you're just like, okay, I guess I'm along for this. Yeah. So, uh, so they go, they say it was, uh, that they're here on a special night, mm-hmm. uh, that there is, uh, the, that the master has something special planned yep. and that they are going to have uh, a little kickoff. So they should go ahead and head to the, to the party room, Absolutely. Uh, to which they're just about to engage in something. Oh my. <clears throat> what are they engaging in? A little thing called the time warp. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen carefully. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. So yes, this is probably the first like really great. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you know the song. Yeah, everybody knows the yeah. time. Yeah, it's it's just such a weird classic, and it's just like it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like even the dance moves are. Even the dance moves are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But it's super good. No, that's the thing, right? It's just, it's over the top. It's bombastic. Everybody's just like going full into it. And, I, and you can tell that every, all of the company actors and dancers there were having the time of their fucking lives. Yeah. yeah. And that's the interesting thing about the movie. 90% of the people were actually people from the stage play. Yeah. And and part of the part of like the whole onus of the film is that they could have gotten, you know, higher tier actors via the play, but that would have led them to, you know, increase the budget uh, correspondingly for the film. But instead, um, I believe the director, or was it Richard O'Brien, who was really involved in being able to kind of get this whole project started since he had initially kind of came up with uh, the idea for the Rocky Horror Picture Show as a mm-hmm. um, as a screenplay on his, like, you know, off nights when he uh, while he was an unemployed actor. And he just kind of, that whole spirit of just, like, keeping it, keeping it um, straightforward with a, with a group that was kind of cohesive and together and that would be able to get into the characters in that kind of a theatrical way really pays off. Yeah. Hold on. One more time. These episodes are going to be so long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, this song's awesome. Let's listen to it for a long time. Uh, well, fun. I know, but uh, but yeah, the, so the only people, like, if you think about it, if they hadn't made that decision, we'd never have Tim Curry. No, we wouldn't. Yeah. And, and I don't, I can't imagine a world without <laughs> Tim Curry in it. I mean, Tim, yeah, Tim Curry really makes this film. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, you just can't imagine the two separately. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just, it, I mean, you can remake it and do someone else. And they but, tried. But I mean, it was a one time thing thing though it wasn't like it, it wasn't released in theaters it was just released on a live broadcast right right um and i'm sure do they still do the stage version in other places i don't know if they do the stage version but they're still screening the they do special screenings yeah the i know that they do the screening of the movie but i'm wondering if other people actually do the because since, since it was originally a stage musical i'm wondering if people still do the stage musical i mean it's Hmm. Well, let me let me take a look. They very well may. I mean, the 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 actual like live action. The the people have made them going to the movies like so engaged mm-hmm. in the past years. I read an entire thing of like they used to give out lighters for "There's a Light." You know, they used to to um what were some of they used to um throw like toilet paper at the screen. And I remember hearing something at some point that on some screenings people would ask who. Uh, who there had never gone to one of the live events before, and they would bring them to the front of the stage, have these, like, long, blown up, like, the long balloons, and for every single one of them, they would just have them hold it between their legs and pop it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like they were losing their virginity. Oh, like, just pop, 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 pop. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> well, It kind of goes to show you just how 
crazy of a uh, crazy the true cult fans of this are. Yeah. I mean, especially with the people going in full costume too. I want to go to one of those showings though, because that does sound like fun. Yeah, we really should. That that, that should be something we do a, a night out for. Because yeah, the amount yeah. of times I've seen this movie, it's just like I've yet to actually go see it in a theater. I would want to go to. I want, would want to find like the most rowdy theater. Oh, <laughs> boy. I, like, oh boy. like I, I want one that I need a. Actually, some of the things that they said is that they uh, mm. during the rain scene uh in some theaters they actually gave people in the back row squirt guns oh and people the God. front they people put in front of them they gave newspapers <laughs> <laughs> for the rain scene Jeez. oh that's amazing so yeah the, the people just really go in all in on this stuff absolutely well here's an important question if we were to go to one of the live screenings which character would you want to cosplay as magenta if you're magenta, then I have to be riffraff. <laughs> you don't have to be. No, but I'm trying what? to think, like, who would I be? And it's just like, unless I'm Frankenfurter, which I don't think I can pull that off yeah, Frank- with this gut. Yeah, Frankenfurter is... Uh, you You need some energy for that. You need you need energy, and you need just a presence. See, I feel like if you're, if you're Frankenfurter, like, you have to go in there, and you have to, like... Show dominance that you are the Frankenfurter. Yeah, like you have to kick the other Frankenfurters out of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> no, Frankenfurter. That's a bit. Much. Oh man, I think I would go as Eddie. Oh yeah, yeah. Eddie's cool. Mainly because of that tenor sax. I mean, <laughs> come on, it is pretty hot. All right, so at this point, we've talked about him enough. It's time to introduce Tim Curry. Oh yes. Would you like to play his intro theme? How'd you do, I? See, you've met my faithful hand in hand. He's just a little broad dog because when you knocked, he thought you were a candyman. All right. (laughs) I love this song so much. It's just Tim Curry, full blast. Here I am. Just chewing the scene. And, like, he comes in coy, and then right here, he just leaves it all to bear. Yeah. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Yeah. Oh, God, this episode is going to be so long, but it's going to be so good. It's so worth it. <laughs> All right. I mean, I I can say that, I don't know why, but Tim Curry just ended up in, like, a bunch of freaking movies that, like, even though, even before I was, like, even hit puberty, I was like, why do I find this attractive? Why, do, why does this devil turn me on? <laughs> why does so this God devil turn me on? It's like, why like, does this man dressed as a woman turn me on? Why am I Why am I feeling all these feelings I've never felt before? Like, why, why, why is the butler in, uh, in Home Alone 2 so attractive? <laughs> oh my but God. You can't deny it, though. Tim Curry just has this erotic energy just he, like he's a satanic mechanic yeah <laughs> he is a total satanic mechanic and it's just amazing every second of it um um oh boy all right so i mean i wonder what he would think if you walked up to him and said you turned me on so much when i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> i think he'd be like i based on my pleasure Donnie. based on what i read he got that a lot really yeah uh, to the point that he actually like for a while there gained weight to try and like hide who he was (laughs) really he was so like there were so many rocky horror fans that just would mob him oh Oh, my god that's crazy i mean i wouldn't mob him i would be like very respectful about it it's like really nice to meet you um you 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 you're probably why I'm into some crazy shit right now. <laughs> I would agree. I blame you, but in a nice way. As in, thank you. I credit you with my deep dive into deviance. Exactly. Of a sexual nature. Exactly. <laughs> if and... anyone was going to find out the erotic part of this, it was going to be you. I mean, come on. Did I you? Mean... Did you see the black lingerie? <laughs> I definitely saw a, saw a lot there. 
hoping that Tim Curry is just this force of talent and he's done so many different roles over the years. And I don't know. I just I love I've loved him and everything he's like been in. It's really weird. Like I was even like a big fan of the Wild Thornberries and he does the voice of <laughs> Nigel Thornberry. Oh, <laughs> this and this is where <laughs> most of the memes that be the top Curry come from either that from Nigel Thornberry. It's either it's either Nigel Thornberry or him talking about how he's going to spice. <laughs> God. So I want the ultimate crossover here with Tim Curry at its centerpiece: the Wild Thornberries and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh God. Um. Probably... I'm not seeing Nigel that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to see Nigel that way. Oh my god. I don't want to see any of the Thornberries that you way. Just don't want to... <laughs> this, was, this was a childhood cartoon that I loved to watch. This wasn't even a good childhood cartoon. What? I loved it. I it hated it. About it about a Ooh. girl who could talk to animals. I thought it was dumb. I loved it. it I loved the wild Thornberries. I, you know, I think it was okay. I mean, there were some good, good aspects, bad aspects, but overall, it was enjoyable. Poo, poo. All right, let's move on. So uh, we've introduced our main character. It's time to go up to his lab. Wait, oh, wait, boy. doesn't Eddie come in before we get nope. to the lab? Oh, we're no, in the we lab do. when Eddie happens. That's true, yeah. So we go up into the lab, and before they're actually taken to the lab, they're actually dressed down, too. It's yeah. like... Well, they were wet. They were wet. Had to be put into dry clothes. Yeah, they, he their... had to remove the cause, but not the symptom. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which meant they are in their underwear. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, I okay for um for Janet, it's not so bad because she still has her half slip on and it's just her bra, so it's really not that bad. But poor Brad, I mean, <laughs> he's wearing it looks like specialized whitey tidies because they come up higher than normal, or maybe they went up that high back then. But it just it felt like it was also padded in a way, so it wouldn't be like too obscene. Like it looked like he was almost wearing a diaper. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, he could have had like. Mormon undies of some form. Maybe. I mean, Janet looked fine, and I was like, wow, Susan Sarandon has cute little boobies. She does. Yeah. They're really cute. And I'm like, good for her. And then poor Brad is, look, looks like he's wearing underwear diapers. <laughs> <laughs> and then you watch like the later shows that he's in, and you just go like, the things I've seen you do. Well, the yeah. same with Susan Sarandon, because like as she got older, like the part she played, you... Most people probably didn't realize that she did this movie before mm-hmm. because I don't know. I feel like she doesn't normally do racy stuff. Oh, no. And even in this movie, she had a line like for the um, for the I forget the particular song. Oh, touch it, touch it, touch me. Mm-hmm. They actually wanted her to get naked for that. And, oh. they, and they were like and she was like, no, I'm not getting naked for that. Yeah, I don't right. think it was really necessary. No, I think, it, you know, she was able to be. Totally in the perfect yeah, without I mean, having to go full naked. Well, it's like there's this part later on where um what's her face? Little Nell's character. Oh, um Columbia? Yeah. Like where she has a corset on, but because of the way she's moving, her titties pop out. Oh yeah. And I was like really surprised because I was like, I mean, I saw this as a as a kid, but I don't really remember her boobies popping out. I don't know if it was like edited differently. Because it was, uh, I don't know what channel I was watching it on. Maybe it was cable channel. So Maybe was, they cropped yeah. it up or something? Like, they could have just or cropped I, the shot Or the I shot honestly up. just didn't notice. I'm like, because her nipples are, like, really red, too. So I was just like, that's really noticeable. Yeah. Was, but, uh, like, my dad let me watch this, and there's titties. So I'm like, okay, well... I don't remember this, but whatever. It might have not been a big deal to me. Unfortunately, unfortunately, as I found out, all humans have titties. Yeah, but it's just usually when they don't show women. Right. Yeah. So that surprised me a little bit. And I was like, was that really necessary? But they were all pretty much wearing the same corset. Right. And I noticed that um, when Susan Sarandon, Janet was doing the dance, she was very careful, like, to make sure she wasn't moving in a way that hers would do the same. Because I was like, I'd be really worded out if I saw Susan Sarandon's nipples. Because I don't see her like that. 
Yeah. Even in this even in this movie, because like she's pretty much covered up modestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Like, I mean, compared to what we're used to seeing nowadays, like I consider that modest. Okay, so I'm going to have to enact some lightning round rules because we're not even halfway through this movie and at thirty okay, minutes. Oh my okay, god. <laughs> I'm sorry. We no, thought this was gonna go fast. I know I think we've just gotten too into the movie. Well All right. I also rambled about Curry. It's it's fine. Tim Curry is a wonder, and uh, we have to cryogenically freeze that man. Yes, um, we can't any- lose him. Anyway, okay, we're up in the lab. Frankenfurter is talking about he's got something to plan. Yep. He's doing all sorts of like stuff with riffraff to try and do this thing. There's a, th- a wrapped up body, um, and we end up getting a few songs out of this. Uh, the first one, once Rocky appears, who is a super super muscular. Manly man, Ubermensch. Mm-hmm. He just kind of goes crazy and runs around the rude and singing this sort of Damocles song, which is not good. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of this one, and also I found the kind of direction kind of weird, where um, <laughs> where Frankenfurter was chasing after him. I it was mean, kind of like a little a little weird to me. Just maybe. Are you saying it's him. a little rapey? Because it seems a little rapey. You know what's what I'm pretty much saying is that it was rapey. <laughs> Just a tiny bit. Just a just a tip of rape. I mean, it's just like, hi, I just got born, and you're just immediately running after me. Yeah. But then the moment the song is over, he's just like, oh no, I'm good now. Yep. I, I accept my fate. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, then we uh, get to. A weakling weighing ninety-eight pounds will get sand in his face. When kicked to the ground And soon in the gym With a determined chin The sweat from his pores As he works for his core God, that man! <laughs> Why? Why is he so good? So good at this. Anyway, this, this is what I would say is the second best song in this entire piece. I love the way that he says a weakling weighing 98 pounds. It's just so... <laughs> ah, the, yeah. <laughs> so the way that he actually created Frankenfurter, originally when he was doing it, he gave Frankenfurter kind of a German accent. Mm. Huh. But what he decided to do was he took a combination of the Queen's, like the Queen's British accent, mm-hmm. mixed yeah. a little bit with his mom's and came up with Frankenfurter. Interesting. That's, Oh, okay. So that's kind of why it sounds so proper and upright. It's because it's the Queen's British. Right, but it makes me think, like, what does his mom sound like that he mixed it with the Queen's to make it? I'm not entirely sure. Supposedly he said that his mom always loved him doing this role. Huh. Mm. Oh, that's so sweet. And if we want to loop in the, uh, the crazy royalty aspect of this, Princess Diana went to uh, see Tim Curry and told him that this was one of those transformative movies for her. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Hot damn. Like, Princess Diana just going like, I just, this was a, changed my life. And you're just like, Princess Diana was kinky. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. I mean, I I also think that she also had a lot of issues with a lot of the rules she ended up having to follow when she became Princess Diana. Yeah. And it was more about the aspects of being free to do what you want to do and be who you want to be there versus is, being pauper. There is kind of like a liberation theme that runs throughout this whole film, especially of like yeah. sexual liberation. Yes. Which is just fantastic honestly yeah and i feel like princess diana was probably enjoying that aspect of her life tour before she ended up dying yeah so i can kind of see it because i feel like when you're in the royalty you're probably really restricted oh absolutely like there are complete rules of what about what you could do okay how about we introduce the second best person in this movie do it Played by Meatloaf. It is. <sighs> the best.
interesting part of this. The people that were doing the show actually went to him and said, like, listen, nobody's ever been able to do Rocket My Tootie Bust My So right during the show stage. So, Meatloaf, don't worry too much if you don't, like, hit everything correctly. Yeah. He then proceeded to kill it. <laughs> like, he looked at the, at the sheet and just went, what the hell? I can I can kill this and totally did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Meatloaf's amazing. And if you're a Glee fan and you saw the Rocky Horror episode they did, I keep forgetting this guy's name, but basically Uncle Jesse from Full House um, came uh, in. Je- uh, Stamos. John Stamos? John Stamos. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess at the time he was the boyfriend of the guidance counselor. So the kids got him to play the part of Eddie in their production of Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. And he was also fantastic at it. And still hot as fuck. <laughs> like, I don't know what's up with Uncle Jesse, but Uncle Jesse looks hot no matter how old he gets. <laughs> oh my God. You're just like, Uncle Jesse, I'll call you daddy. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know what it is about John Stewart, but like, he was hot when he was young. He's hot when he's middle-aged. He's hot now that he's old. It's ridiculous. The man ages gracefully. Yeah. He's really hot. He found the way. He found the way. All right. So um, you're going to have to look at the sheet because I forget exactly where we go from here. They, like, separated into different rooms at this point, I believe. No, no, no. no. Oh, well, yeah. We forgot what happens to Eddie first. He... Gets brutally murdered. Absolutely. <laughs> By Frankenfurter. So Frankenfurter, I guess, has made multiple of these. The first one being um, the one that... Columbia. Yeah. Being Columbia. Columbia. Was and his first creation, yeah. And yep. he was kind of like, eh. So then he made Eddie. And Which he was... It's confusing because Eddie also ends up being the nephew of the doctor, of the other doctor. Yes. So uh... when he says he made him, what does that mean? Do you think it's something where he, like, reanimates them or something? I think it's something where he actually, like, grows them in a vat. Huh. And then just puts them in that box for them to mature into a full human being. But, but the, Eddie but was the, someone's yeah. nephew, so how is that, like, what, how is that possible? Or he reanimates dead people. I don't know. I don't think it's reanimation of dead people. Okay, well, then how is Eddie the other guy's nephew? I'm really confused. <laughs> Maybe he, like, so biochemical engineering, right? So maybe he got some kind of a genetic sample from uh, from Dr. Everett and then just mixed that in for Eddie. Uh, I got some jo- Dr. Everett goo. But then how would Dr. Everett know he had a nephew? Psychic link. Um, like, he even talked about the fact that they knew from when he was a young age that he was a problem. Like, and he knew it. So did he... I mean, that makes me think that he somehow died. Frankenfurter brought him back and made it like, like improvement improvements probably. But mm. then he didn't like what came from that, and then that's why he ended up killing him again. All I can say is, what a guy! Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can say too. I mean, that saxophone man. Oh my! Nobody's God. gonna follow up on this. <laughs> no, I could cry. <laughs> no, 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 no! Please, you no. gotta say it, and no. I did. No. Oh, damn it. You have to say it. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. And I did. And I did. Anyway, um, the. So basically, at this point, Eddie gets killed because he has just gone crazy and broke out of storage. To which is like the first like super gruesome ish thing that happens in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it just uh, it just kind of suddenly comes out of nowhere. Just Frankenfurter just is like, "All right, I gotta ex murder this bitch." Just right in front of everybody, like no qualms. And then just like has Riff Raff take off his gloves and he's just like, no, I think we should go to our rooms. (laughs) Our separate rooms for some reason. Separate rooms for, you know, reasons. For reasons, yep. So we get designated out into separate rooms. Yep. Um, Frankenfurter and Rocky go into the uh, bridal chamber. Yes, uh, they do. To consummate their uh, recent marriage. Uh, Janet (laughs) and Brad are separated into separate rooms. And then we get into probably one of the more um, uh, focal moments of the uh, focal moments of the scene, where essentially uh, Frankenfurter ends up in both of their bedrooms mm-hmm. at a certain point and seduces both of them. Yeah. Although initially they're kind of resistant and like, no, no. In the exact same way. <laughs> yeah, too. exactly the same way, which is kind of great because you have yeah. both the 
the, the, it's funny because it's also choreographed kind of in the same vein too. Yeah. So they're kind of like initially trying to push him off, and then he kind of comes in, and then it's like, no, 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 I can't have it. Yeah. But then eventually they both relent to Frankenfurter. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny because they this later comes back uh, as as them trying to go against each other uh, mm-hmm. and and kind of blame each other for 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 failing to honor their marriage, mm-hmm. even though they both did at the same time. And on top of that, Janet also did it with Rocky. Right. Well, they're not married yet. They're just engaged. Well, engaged, but yeah. still. I mean, this, you know. Yeah. I think this was the first time that I actually had ever seen two guys kiss. Like, in that scene. Mm. I mean, really, it was. Like, that That was the first time that, that my brain went like, boys can be sensual, but boys, hmm. Yeah, but then they also had a really, they've, uh, they had those uh, veiled, veiled beds, so you couldn't really see it clearly. So it's like they weren't trying to actually show that because maybe, I think maybe it wouldn't have been okay for um the TV audiences, I guess, probably to keep ratings down. Oh sure, that's all I could think of. But yeah, they made sure everything was like veiled and covered up, so you couldn't really see that much. But yeah, uh, that that was probably the first on that. Um, then, we, so this is kind of the point that we have a little bit of like downtime, more or less, like right. between everything. Because what's the next like the next pickup plot point that we really have is the fact that um, who is he, the uncle that we mentioned before, kind of shows up. Oh, that's right. That doctor. would be Doctor. What's his face? Uh, uh, doctor Everett, Everett v. Lee Scott, Scott. Yes. arrival scientist. Great Scott. <laughs> <laughs> which they play up as a joke multiple times. They do. Uh, so he shows up and essentially crashes through a wall because actually they, in that particular um, set, they had forgotten to include a door. Right. So they had to have him crash through a wall. So the way in which they had him crash through a wall is that uh, Frankenfurter had these magnets that are set up against the wall. So he kicks up each magnet and Frank and uh, Dr. Everett is essentially dragged through the entire house mm-hmm. um, <laughs> in the wheelchair. Yeah. Which is kind of which is, uh, another great little moment as he then finally crashes through the wall into the laboratory. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so then we have, so Everett is here now. Um, we, I think at this point we could say we're at the dinner scene. Yeah, we're okay. at the dinner scene. Yeah. So we have the dinner scene, which is the, the point that we do the Eddie song. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that one song because the Eddie song's fine. We essentially did the big joke yeah. semi a moment ago yeah. right but it's revealed hey guess what uh eddie's body is the table and then like essentially some stuff happens where it's just like hey rocky's all right so rocky went off and started like having the googly eyes and that's where the touch a touch a touch me song happens no that happens before dinner oh uh, well that's yeah. what i mean so that happened before dinner because that's the reason frankenfurter is mad at dinner yes yes, yes. that's right so uh, basically, the Touch of Touch of Touch of Me song, then, like, that play, Janet finds out that Brad did a thing with Frankenfurter, and now everybody's just upset, and just Frankenfurter is just well, not having it at this well, point. that's why Janet does it with Rocky, because she sees it on the TV screen that Rocky had been with Brad. Mm, right. Revenge or not Rocky, sex. but Frankenfurter. Right. Hot revenge sex. Pretty much, and that's when Dr. Scott comes in, and then they have that scene that everyone also knows, even if they haven't seen the movie, where it's like, Janet, Dr. Scott, Janet, Brad! Rocky! (laughs) Janet! Dr. Scott! Janet! Brad! Brad. Rocky! (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, like, oh my god. That's another hilarious bit. Yeah. So, moving after um, moving after that confrontation, then we we then get to another one of the music major musical numbers. If I'm not mistaken, this one, uh, Planet Schmanet Janet, I think. Uh, let's see. We can do Planet Schmanet Janet. Okay, it's star time. Set the sonic oh yeah, that's where he chases her around. Yep. I actually do not remember this. No, this might be from the musical. Might be. 
No, I remember. I, I think I remember this one. You mean yes, Brad? It's something we ourselves have been working on for quite some time. No, this is from the musical. Doctor Scott didn't sing this part, and that's not Doctor Scott. He sounds way younger. Oh yeah. Mm. So I think this. You is from ruined the musical. me. It's the wrong one. Oh no. What? All right. Well, then I have to. The problem is, is that my little thing here is so difficult to actually like switch between each of it. It's because I think the next one is the floor show. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The floor show. All right. So how about we do the floor show? Well, remember, this is after he like turns them into statues. He dresses them up, takes them to a stage, and then this is where this song starts. Right. So. Formerly statues, and then... And then as they start singing, they turn switch. back to real, yeah. Yep. He demeduces them, it's called. <laughs> it is It is a, fu a fun little scene, and I think... So, whose line in this is your favorite? Because mine is kind of to be Brad, because he just kind of, like, loses it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's just singing for his mom, basically. Yeah, basically. Well, it, it kind of feels like they're not moving of their own volition. I think that's the idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, basically, so the... Uh, the Transylvanians all have like a whitened complexion mm -hmm. and at this point they've all got this like white makeup on their face so yeah. I feel like it's more or less like a mind control mm -hmm. right okay <laughs> so there's that one uh, let's see if I can get to the other one the um I'm trying to find what the other one is which is actually probably my personal favorite is it fanfare don't dream it uh, it's, might be because I, I think it's like the dream sequence that after they've all done their solos, they're in the pool, and then this is when Riff Raff and Medusa um burst into the theater in these really uh, crazy alien outfits. Crazy alien yeah. outfits. Kind of one of them has a uh, ray gun, mm -hmm. and then um uh goes up to effectively kill Frankenfurter. Yeah, and then this is when Frankenfurter goes into his big solo scene, which is kind of like a uh, dream sequence, uh, a dream sequence moment. Uh, where... Well, the the one that I actually enjoy is the this is the one before it where he does the uh, like whatever happened to Fay Ray, a delicate satin drip frame. Yeah, that's oh, the don't the, that's don't the, dream it. That's the, the don't dream it. Yeah, don't dream it. Which yeah. I, I really enjoy that one. Um, it's it's missing on me, so, but. I do have the other one that you were just talking queued up. Yes. So basically, the other Transylvanians are done with his shit. Right. They want to go back to Transylvania. And they're just like, listen, no, this is a mutiny. We are going home. And he's just like, and at this point, like watching it this time, it's like, oh no, actually, Frankenfurter's just deluded at this point. Like, he's so down the hole of, like, his own self-pleasure that he's just like, they're like, you, you fucked up the mission, dude. Like, whatever their mission was, which was very vague, he's just like, you've just been going off and making these bodies and you've compromised us. Exactly. Yeah, well, I, I get the feeling that they were under the impression... Like when they when he had the party, I think that was supposed to be their last night there, and they were all supposed to go home. And they were all under the impression that after the party, that's what when they were going to leave. And then I forget what scene it was where I think they mentioned it, and he was like, "We're not leaving. We still got work to do." And that's when you kind of see them start changing, and you can see it. They'll give him like sly looks. They, he, uh, Riff Raff purposefully did shit to piss him off, like letting Rocky loose. Remember, there's part where he let Rocky loose mm -hmm. after yeah. they had sex or whatever, and he was like cuffed to the bed. He made it so Rocky pulled away from the bed and ran away. And he didn't care that he was getting in trouble for it. He was like, This is what I wanted. I wanted to like make him upset. Right, right. Yeah. And so you could the, see. After, the after they returned into statues during that whole Medusa sequence in the lab, I think that's where they also kind of like. Did that weird elbow bump Yeah. Thing. So they were slowly turning on him. Yeah. Because I think they were originally supposed to leave that night. And then when they made and when he made it clear that they weren't, they were like, uh-uh. And that's when they started turning on him. And then I don't know how Riff Raff became the commander. I mean, it's a mutiny. That's <laughs> yeah. how. Yeah. He but was the first mate. 
I know, but it was weird for him to be like, I'm, instead of just saying that, he says, I'm the commander now. But like, that's how a mutiny goes. You yeah. say you're the one in charge. And then you kill know. anybody who disagrees. Have I been in a mutiny before? No. Uh, I don't obviously know not. All I know is that the crew turns on the captain. I don't know a new person immediately says that they're the new captain. That's why you're a good first mate. Exactly. What? What you, what you don't know will protect you. What so are you talking about? We're, we're saying that you would never mutiny somebody, so you're a good first mate. I didn't say I wouldn't mutiny somebody. But you don't know how to mutiny. Exactly. So that's why you'd be a good first mate. Okay, that was not the point of what I was saying, though. <laughs> like, you're just totally turning everything around instead of actually listening to what I'm saying. Uh, um, so at this point, the, uh, the Transylvanians say, okay, well, actually you're not going home. We're going home. Even right. though he said he was taking him prisoner, which I thought was really weird. Well, I think probably you could see that they're just like, this guy's effing crazy now. We yeah. gotta get rid of him. He just sung to a whole bunch of empty chairs. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to zap you with this very stupid looking thing. And then Rocky's going to pick you up, and sh and Rocky's going to get zapped. But then Rocky, because of the power of his biceps, is able to deflect several shots until they climb up to the top of the radio tower and unfortunately fall over to the Like desk. King Kong. Yeah. He did a very King Kong thing. And then Columbia screams, and she gets shot anyway. <laughs> yeah, just for screaming, apparently. It's just like, damn it, I just should have stayed quiet for a little bit. Well, it I think... Their idea was to kill all his creations. Right. Um, that's why she ended up having to go anyways. She was the most sane of all the creations. I mean, she, yeah. got, she was dealing with the trauma of the death of Eddie. I mean, come on. Well, and How then, can you not lose your marbles after that? And then they killed Frankenfurter and Rocky, so she had every right to freak out. Yep. Um, but they were probably going to kill her anyways, even if she didn't, so. <laughs> yeah. And then they just have this nice little, like, Talk of just like, nope, we're cool with you. We're cool with you. Okay, we're leaving. Okay, bye now. Get the fuck out of here. So, <laughs> we're Brad not going to wait for you. Brad, Janet, and Dr. Everett basically get out of the house, and the uh, house itself is rocketed up into space. Mm -hmm. And so ends Rocky Horror Picture Show. So to summer it, uh, wait, hold on. What was that, Eric, who snuck oh, in? I snuck in. It's a fall of the House of Usher reference. <laughs> I want to I want to lead into our next episode because we're going to be talking a lot about like, references to Gothic literature in rock operas. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Uh, so, a very normal topic. So I think that uh, going around the horn, um, I think that we've already stated us three are Enormo fans. Uh, Eric, your feeling of Rocky Horror? So due to some scheduling issues, I did not re get to rewatch it prior to this episode. So I'm going off of my previous viewing from like years ago. Your feelings? Uh, I didn't care for it again, but I I like as as is the like blood pack required by this podcast. I will go rewatch it. See, how I, I know I know the music's fun. Uh, I remember being very lost through parts of it. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah even yeah. i'm like learning stuff off of this of just like oh they go mad at that point i completely like there's so much going on that you just kind of like at there's, some point your eyes glaze over there's yeah. so much going on and simultaneously it also feels like nothing happens through parts of the movie because like it just takes place inside of this house yeah you, it's, it's an interconnected series of musical numbers right you kind of remember specific scenes and numbers but you don't remember us like a Fluid story. Yeah, it's so disjointed. At it, it, it it can definitely be that way. Um, are we going to say that Martin gets a high five all around on this one? Please, I think so. Yay! Yay! <laughs> high fives. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> we did it. You didn't did do it, a bad. No, you're, and Sabrina's not going to give you a high five. Why not? Or high fiving in a podcast is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good job, Martin. You did a good. All right, that'll be uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show next episode. Let's take this. Uh, let's take this a little darker, guys. Let's back up. Exactly. Let's back up exactly one year. And go. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Movie. We're not. We're not doing that one. Oh, okay. oh we're no, doing the other that, one. We're gonna do. We're gonna take this even darker first before we hit that one. Before we go, end on a high note. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be doing Repo, the genetic opera. Oh my God. So, so much blood. So are you ready for some blood? Are you ready for the gothiest I mean, of goths? You wanted so a real 
horror like musical. Here you go. Yeah, but we'll find out how Josh got through this one. Yeah, <laughs> I I went through it fine. Oh, okay. I didn't have much problem. I, I, I mean, we'll it, talk about it next episode. I mean, Ooh. I had problems with it, we'll but it wasn't the blood. Next episode, we will. All yeah. right, everyone. Uh, that has been the Saturday Friends Club. You can find us at friendsclub.com. Uh, you can find us on Patreon, and I will bring up the Patreon list next episode. Uh, Sat Friends Club uh, over on Patreon at patreon.com slash satfriendsclub. Twitter at uh, satfriendsclub.com. We will be with you next week where we will go ahead and talk all about the, um, oh, I don't know, the the gothic stuff, the um, all, all the all the bad, bad, like, things that happen in, in being in the future with a single company that trades organs and, and, and things like that. Uh, but then, uh, you know, uh, sleep well, everyone. We're good. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Okay, that, that works. <laughs>